Well, hi, I'm Adam, one of the pastors of the Village Church. If you don't know me, um, I'm glad to be with you this morning and opening up um, the book of Luke and talking to you about our sermon series, We Are His. And we've been doing this for the last number of weeks, talking about we are who we are because he is who he is. So we spent a few weeks talking about who we are as a church and walking through why we are who we are as a church. We are who we are because he is who he is. And the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of the values that ha we have as a church. And the reality is the same. We value the things we value because he values the things he values. And this morning, we're going to see that we have all kinds of values, seven here at the Village Church, and one of them is, is prayer. And we value prayer because Jesus values prayer. We value all the things that we value because Jesus values those things, and prayer is no difference. We, different. we value prayer because Jesus values prayer. And we actually see this in the life, throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. It's really clear. If we just take Luke's gospel here, starting in Luke chapter 5, we see that Jesus had prayer as part of the regular practice of his life. It, it tells us that he would often withdraw to a desolate place where he would pray. Luke is a guy that pays attention to detail, and he paid attention to this detail, that Jesus prayed as a common practice. This is something that Jesus valued so much so that it was part of his daily life. The next chapter, chapter over, Luke chapter 6, tells us that Jesus valued prayer when he was making important decisions. Maybe this is a lot like your life. You want to value prayer in your daily life, and you also especially want to value prayer when you're making important decisions. And Jesus is going to decide who is going to be, who are going to be his disciples. And so he goes up and he prays. In those days, he went up to the mountain to pray. As a matter of fact, he continued all night in prayer to God there. Jesus values prayer in the midst of important decisions. And Jesus values prayer in the midst of meaningful moments in life. Skip a few chapters over and go to Luke chapter 9, and we see Jesus going to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he brings along uh, Peter and James and John. It says, now eight days before, after these sayings, verse 28, he took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And on that mountain, he was going to be transfigured. He was going to reveal to his disciples more of who he was. It was a significant moment in the life of Jesus. He goes up to pray. Jesus values prayer, and so we value prayer. But, I don't know, maybe nowhere else in the book of Luke and maybe nowhere else in the entire New Testament do we see the greater value that, that Jesus places on prayer than here as we look at the Lord's Prayer. It's been called sometimes the Disciples' Prayer. Sometimes I like to call it the Disciples' Prayer because when I hear the Lord's Prayer, I just think about the Lord's chips, and it just makes me, no? No, none of you? Okay, great. Okay, you know, you know. So sometimes it's referred to as the disciples' prayer because the Lord is teaching his disciples how to pray. Obviously, it's the Lord's prayer because he is the Lord. He is the one that's teaching us how to pray. It starts in verse 1 where it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, his disciples wait for him to finish. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And what follows in the next 12 verses, I just want to pause for here and say, what follows in the next 12 ver verses is almost too good to be true. And I know that most of us are very, very familiar with the Lord's Prayer. I'm just telling you, 
what follows in the next 12 verses is almost too good to be true. Here's what it is. The God of the universe in human form is teaching human beings how to talk or pray to the God of the universe. Do you feel the weight of that this morning? The God of the universe in human form is teaching human beings how to relate to, how to pray to, how to communicate with, how to be in relationship with the God of the universe. It's almost too good to be true. It's incredible reality this morning that we get to look at. Adam Clark um, says it this way, and I, I wanted to take just a moment to read these words to you. I think they're significant. He says, what satisfaction must it be to learn from God himself with what words and in what manner he would have us pray to him so as not to pray in vain, not to just sort of speak words into the air that don't really mean anything. We do not sufficiently consider the value of this prayer, the respect and attention to which it requires, the preference to be given to it, the fullness and perfection, the frequent use we should make of it, and the spirit with which we should bring to it. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what the disciples said. Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And one of the first things that we can learn from the Lord's Prayer is right here in the first verse, and I believe it's this, that Jesus wants us to ask him for help when it comes to prayer. That Jesus wants us to ask him for help when it comes to prayer. And I think, would you just raise your hand if you need help with prayer? Let's go. Everyone, can you just put your, I mean, is it all of us? We all need help with prayer. Jesus wants us to come to him when we feel like we need help with prayer. I think about this disciple asking the question, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And I can't help but imagine that that disciple was asking for all of the disciples. So like if you're reticent to raise your hand, but you know that you need help with prayer, can I just free you up this morning? This is like a teacher in a classroom saying, hey, does anyone have a question about this math problem? And no one raises their hand, right, Bowman? And then one kid raises their hand, and then all the kids say, oh yeah, I was wondering about that too. That's what's happening here. If you struggle with prayer, please listen to me. Lift your head. Don't feel ashamed. Everyone else has the same questions that you do. And everyone else has the same struggles that you do. Everyone else feels the same measure of sort of maybe guilt that you do, that you don't pray more, or a difficulty with with how to pray, or why doesn't God answer all of my prayers? You have the same questions everyone has. Bring your questions to Professor Jesus, right? He knows what he's talking about. And he's able and he's willing to help. And I believe the proof that Jesus wants us to ask him for help when it comes to prayer is found in the reality, listen to me, that Jesus waited to teach his disciples about prayer until they asked him. Anybody thought about that reality? Jesus taught his disciples about a lot of things, but Jesus waited to ask, to teach his disciples the proper prayer until they asked. There is something significant in the asking. There is something to be learned in the asking. And this is, this is the reality of what it means to be a disciple, that we are learners. And your kids are like this, or if you're a grandparent, your grandkids are like this. And you've seen it now for two generations, that there are moments as a parent where your kid is struggling with something, and you don't help them until they ask you. And there's something important in the asking. There's something instructive in the asking. And I believe that is what's happening here. And when Jesus, when we ask Thankfully, Jesus always answers, just as he did his disciples when they asked. They asked him 
how to pray. And Jesus answers them by teaching them how to pray. But Jesus also does something else. And if you know Jesus and you've been walking with him for a while, this is how he works. And if you're not yet a Christian and you don't know what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, we want to invite you to him this morning. We want to tell you that he oftentimes gives us more than we ask for. Is that true, church? Sometimes we're wondering, like, hey, why aren't you answering? And other times we, we, we see him give us the answer and then more. He gives us more than we ask for. And I believe that's what's happening here this morning. They, they teach, him, teach us how to pray. Jesus does teach them how to pray, but he goes a step further. He goes a, a bit deeper than just teaching them how to pray. He teaches them about the heart of prayer. What's at the core of prayer? But Jesus starts with how, and so that's where we're going to start. We want to start where Jesus starts. Look at verse one again with me. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And, and he said to them, so Jesus answers, he's answering their question, he's giving them what they've asked for, when you pray, say. Now, just pause for a moment, and just look up at the screen, or look down at your Bible, and read those verses again, or read that, those words again. When you pray, say. My question this morning is, how many of us take that advice? Like, how many of us incorporate the Lord's Prayer into sort of our daily or weekly rhythms of prayer? Like, how much do we really use this prayer? When you pray, say. Jesus tells us what to say. Let me tell you, if you were going to raise your hand or if you did and you say you struggle with prayer, could I encourage you just, when you pray, say, say what Jesus says to say. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. As I read those words, they probably go through your mind pretty quickly. If you've been a Christian in a while, you're actually referencing uh, Matthew's version too and, and, you're, and you're adding on what was added there. And I just want to pause again and say, I know this is very familiar with us, but let's pause and remember that What's happening here is the God of the universe in human form is teaching humans how to pray to the God of the universe. So let's just pause and remember that again as we continue to move. <laughs> you know, when Jesus said, when you pray, say, Jesus could have said anything. He could have included a lot of things. He includes seven things. I believe they got to be likely seven of the things that he values the most. We have seven core values as a church, and, and part of that's just because, you know, you go beyond that, and maybe you don't, you don't remember them all, and, and if there's too few, it, it feels like there's not enough. And we, we, we didn't pick the word, you know, the number seven because it's like the perfect number, and it's in the Bible. We just picked it because, in a sense, it was practical, and we believed all of those things reflect who we want to be as a church. And there are all kinds of things, but what are things that we would want to really give our focus and our time and our attention to? Jesus gives us seven things. Maybe seven things that he values the most. I don't think Jesus is just doing it because it's practical. He's got time. But he gives them a pattern for prayer that he could use to teach his disciples how to pray. And we see seven realities here. The first is this, that Jesus values prayer that begins with the right perspective. And so we should, we should begin our prayers with the right perspective. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, prayer is as is more about relationship than it is about requests, and we're gonna talk about that in a moment. Even though God does value our requests and the requests that we make, just like your kids, you value the requests that they're making, but you value them and your relationship with them more than you value the actual requests that they're making. 
especially if it's something like, Dad, can I have a 20? Right? You, 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 you look past some of those things that are just so quick, and you look at your child who you love and value. I believe Jesus is telling us a similar thing. When we pray, we're not praying primarily, to, you know, in this kind of master-servant relationship. In posture, we're praying, Jesus says, in mostly a, a father-child relationship with a posture. That's where we begin whenever we pray. Secondly, Jesus values prayer that begins with praise, and so we should value that as well. Father, hallowed be your name. The reality is even though we don't come to prayer with our primary posture as a master-servant relationship, <laughs> the reality is, is he the master? Oh, you guys are flat this morning. Either that or my, my jokes, which are not planned, don't land. But, but I just I want a little bit of, is he not the master? Yes, he is. Are we not the servants? There we go. This is getting a little better, right? Is he not the creator? He is. Are we not his creation? Yeah, we are. Is he not holy? Yes, he is. We're feeling like a, this is good. We're feeling good now. Are we, are we anything but holy apart from Christ? Yeah, that was a kind of felt like a tricky one, right? Yeah, no, we are. We are anything but holy apart from our relationship with Christ. So the reality is we don't come to him primarily as master and servant, but he is the master and we are the servants and he is holy and we are unholy apart from relationship with him. Right? And we're flawed and we're sinful. Like there is this reality that we, we come and we begin with praise because of who he is. Thirdly, Jesus values prayer that recognizes God's power. So we should recognize God's power when we come to pray. He says, your kingdom come. And that, that kingdom is really focused on a couple things, but one in particular is the power of God to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish. It's his authority. It's his rule. It's his reign. And when we come to prayer, Jesus values prayer that recognizes the power of God. Jesus values, listen to me, believing prayer. Jesus values believing a prayer, that when we come, we believe, we have faith. We believe that he has the power to answer our prayer as well as the desire to do it, that he has the power to do it. Prayer that believes God is able to bring about the things that we bring to him. Do you believe that God has the power to bring about the things that you bring to him? This is the kind of power, that, the kind of prayer that Jesus values. Fourthly, Jesus values prayer that focuses on God's purposes. So we should pray focused on God's purposes. This is part of the pattern. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. It's not just his rule. It's not just his reign. It's not, not just his authority. It's his desires. It's his agenda. It's his plans. And prayer is not primarily about what we want. It's about what God wants. And asking God to bring about those things, bring those things to fruition. And you know what the interesting thing about that is? As a Christian, you know this. When God brings about the things that he wants, aren't those also typically the things that you really want? That's the way that this works. <laughs> As we pray for, for the things that he wants, we sort of get what we want because we get him and we get his heart and we get his plans, his desires. We get his agenda. We get to be part of his purposes. So once the foundation of these four ideas is laid, we find that even though our prayer is much more, than, much more about relationship than request, God still values our requests. And you know why I think God values our requests? I think God values our requests because he knows that those requests will actually bring us into deeper relationship with himself. 
I think God values our request because he values us as his children, like you value your children. But you know as well as I do if you're a parent, especially if you're a parent of older children. Can I just tell you that those of you who have sleep deprivation right now, this is as good as it gets. So you're like holding a baby that's like, and that just kept going and going and going. Can I just tell you that's as good as it's ever going to be for you? Then you come for some encouragement this morning. Isn't that great? Parenting is hard. And when you parent older kids, they come to you with harder questions than they do when they're younger. And some of you know this. And those, those harder questions lead to, to great discussions, but ultimately with your kids, it leads to deeper relationship. And I'm looking at some parents right now who have been through that, who are neighbors and friends, and I know that they'll tell you that, that you have those harder conversations, you get grown in a deeper relationship with your kids, and then your kids become like your friends. You know, when they're, when they're young, you're like, look, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent, so, you know. <laughs> and when you get older, you're like, man, I'm just so glad that I'm not just your parent, but I'm your friend. Because we're in relationship now. We've talked about hard things together. Our relationship has gone deeper. So those requests bring that relationship to a deeper place, especially as your kids get older. This is the way it is with God and with us in prayer, that as we pray and as we make requests, it brings us into deeper relationship with God. Can we trust him? Yes. Will he deliver? Yes. Is he with me? Yes. Does he care? He does. Will he listen? Always. Is his ear open? Always bent toward me. The, the relationship grows deeper with the request, and so God values them. So Jesus shows us three different requests that apparently must be the most three valuable because Jesus includes them in his model prayer. Fifthly, this morning, Jesus values prayer that asks for God's provision. And so we should ask for his provision. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us, you know. I tried to make a joke about dad, give, you know, can I have a 20, but it fell a little flat. But isn't that reality about parenting? Is that at some point your kid's going to come to you? And I remember the point where, where my oldest came and said, dad, can I have a 20? And I just paused and she was like, what's going on? I'm like, I just knew this moment would come. I just didn't know it would come now. And you're saying, well, what can $20 get you today? Not much, you know, but, but then a little bit more. The reality is when your kid asks you for something, like you want to provide, for, you want to be in a place where you, you can just give freely. Give us each day our daily bread. What is one of the things that we need to make it through this world? Undoubtedly, it's money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils, yes, but we kind of need it for stuff, don't we? And if I, were, if I were a betting guy, I would bet that most of you think about money most days. And most of you think about if you have enough most days. And most of you think about how you're gonna retire most days. And most of you think about how it's all gonna add up or how it's all gonna, you know, divvy out. Or like, how is this all gonna work? Just bring that to him because that's what he wants you to bring to him. He values the kind of prayer that values this, that, that says, I need your help with this provision thing. I need you to provide for me. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. This is what he wants. When you pray, say this. Say it to him. Sixthly, this morning, Jesus values prayer that asks for God's pardon. So we should pray asking for his pardon. You know as well as I do that this is probably something you need daily as well. Because you sin daily against God and one another and, and other people, and so do I. And the weight of that probably weighs on you. And if you're a Christian, it shouldn't because you can just confess it to him. If you confess our sins, he's faithful, he's righteous, he's just. He'll forgive us our sins, and he'll cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So we just bring it to him. Again, when you pray, say this. And let me say this. I, I think this is one of the things that 
is missing in the lives of, of many Christians, I think, is ongoing confession and repentance. This week I was talking to a guy about his church, and there's this church statistic that says 65% of churches are plateaued and declining in America, and that's really a, a, a horrible thing, but it is a reality. And they're talking about, well, it's because the music is not good enough, or the giving's not this, or the right systems aren't in place, and there's all these reasons to why. And, and I pause and say, you know, I think the reason why, humbly, is, is that probably churches are acting like most professing Christians. I think most professing Christians are, are plateaued or declining in their relationship with God, and I think most of it is, oftentimes, because there's no confession, there's no repentance, there's no dealing with God, doing business with Him on that. And I think most churches are in the same place. Most churches are plateaued and declining because Jesus has said, this is what I want my church to be, and we're missing it. But we don't take the time as church leaders just to say, we're missing it. Lord, please forgive us. Like, we're going to acknowledge this, and we're going to own it. Jesus says, when you pray, ask. Ask him. Ask him for forgiveness. Go to him with these things. Seventh and lastly, Jesus values prayer that asks for God's protection. And so we should ask for God's protection. And maybe you find yourself doing that all the time, but it says, and lead us not into temptation. And we know that the book of James tells us that God doesn't tempt, is not tempted by evil, and nor does he himself tempt anyone. That we're all led away by our own desires. This prayer is asking for God's protection. You also know that John tells us, one of Jesus' best friends and closest disciples, that it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the things that we need protection from. We need to be protected from ourselves. We need to be protected from the influence of the world. And, oh, man, today more than ever in my lifetime, I'll tell you that. At least for me, I can see that. Can you? And the devil is at work in the midst of all these things, you know. We need God's protection Again, as we get to the end of the Lord's Prayer in this section, I just want to pause again and say, this is the God of the universe in human form teaching human beings how to pray to the God of the universe. And so I hope as we talk through this, you feel a little bit of the weight of that this morning. I know I have this week. Okay, I want to pause here and say, um, it's the 31st of July, is that right? This works out conveniently. Tomorrow is August 1st. So um, if you struggle with prayer and you were going to raise your hand to say like, yeah, I'm one of those people that struggles to pray, um, or you did raise your hand, or you know inside that you really do, could I, could I give you like a 30-day challenge that's like, it's not going to be on Instagram, you're not going to have to repost anything or anything like that, tag anybody. All you got to do is just say, I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer in my life for the next 30 days. If you really wrestle with, if you really struggle with prayer, if you're a person who's, who's felt like, I want to pray, and I, I, I say that I value prayer, I think I value prayer, but I'm wondering because I don't really pray that often, and, and I don't know, could you, could I challenge you to spend the next 30 days using the Lord's Prayer as a template for prayer, and just to walk through these seven things, and I'm going to give you an example of what that looks like at the end of our time together this morning, but... <laughs> Again, Jesus said, say this. So we struggle with prayer. I don't, I don't know why we wouldn't just go back to him and just say, just say what he says to say, you know? Just say what he says to say. I think I mentioned a while back that Jesus oftentimes gives us more than we ask for. Right? He's not only teaching us how to pray here, but, but he's teaching them the heart of prayer. He's giving them the heart of prayer, not just the how of prayer. He's giving them the heart of prayer, the core of it. What's at the crux of prayer? 
Jesus gives that to him. And I believe it's this, that Jesus values prayer that approaches God relationally as father and friend. This is the kind of prayer that Jesus values. We value prayer because Jesus values prayer. I believe Jesus values prayer that approaches God relationally as father and as friend. Now, I want to pause for another moment. The Lord's Prayer gives us a few moments to pause. And, and I just want to say, as I say father and friend, I want to tell you, I know. You know what? I know what you're thinking. I know that many of you are thinking like, <laughs> but you didn't know my father. And you don't know, like, the struggles that I've had with friends. Like, I don't have a lot of friends. Like, I've been betrayed by friends. I've been let down by my father. Like, I don't, like, I don't have a good, like, when I hear father, I have a twitch. And when I hear friend, there's an ache in my heart. I just want to tell you, I know. But you know who else knows? He knows. Like, Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that... (laughs) Like, Jesus gives this example. Jesus uses these words. Jesus gives us this model. He, he uses these phrases. He, he knows, he knows, he knows that we're going to struggle with this. He knows that we struggle with our fathers. He knows that we've been ruined by our friends. And, and, and he can redeem these things. And he wants to, and I believe, in and through this prayer. And, and, and my, my encouragement this morning is, would you, would you let him? Like, I know oftentimes, maybe if this is you, when you sit in church and someone mentions Father, it's like there's just something there that just, it just is a wall. And I'm just like, would you just let it break down a little bit this morning? Jesus knows. But Jesus says, God's your Father anyway. And he's good, and he's gracious, and he's kind, and he's long-suffering, and he's willing to listen, and he's your advocate, and he's for you, and he'll support you, and he'll give you whatever you need, and he's always there He's not angry. You know, I mean, just all of these things, I, that's who he is. And, and he's your friend. If he's present, you can talk to him about anything. You can pick up wherever you left off. Jesus values prayer that approaches God relationally as father and friend. I want to start with friends, okay? So God values relate the kind of relationship with us that a good friends have with one another. Look at verse 5 and 6. He said to them, which of you who has a friend? And then he describes what this friend looks like. Well, go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. What is, what is a good friend like? What is, what is Jesus talking about? Well, I, we could talk about this all morning, but let me just give you a few things. I mean, I mean, friends are always anxious to talk with each other, aren't they? To be with each other, to spend time with one another, just to kind of hang out in each other's presence friends are able to talk to each other about anything at any time for any reason. Friends have a lot of things in common, especially the most important things. Your, your best friends likely have the most important things in common with you. Friends are able to settle differences quickly, right? and they don't let that affect their long-term relationship with one another. And if you have a really good friend, when you don't talk for quite a while, you're able to pick up just where you left off. Wanna, my best friends in life lives across the country and has for years, but when he's here, it's just like it was yesterday. I think you know what I'm talking about if you have a friend like that. And this is the kind of relationship that God wants with us. So when we pray, we should have these things in mind. He wants the kind of relationship that you have with a really good friend. One of my favorite verses on this topic, and I think I was thinking this week, I think it's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible, is in John 15, 15. Jesus says, um, no longer do I, talk, do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know 
what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Right? For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying, you're, you're my friends. This is the kind of way that I want to relate to you. When you pray, do you talk like you're talking to your best friend? You can. You should. God also values the kind of relationship with us that a good father has with his son or daughter. Look at verses 11 and 12, 11, 12, 13. What father among you? Jesus uses the father example. If a son asks for a fish, instead will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, it's a good relationship with a, a father and a child like. Maybe you haven't had the best one. Well, you would have mutual love, right? Initiated by the father, reciprocated by the child. That's what he's talking about. The desire from the father to give attention and affection to the child and the child wanting that and receiving that. The desire for the father to show their child that they're valued and valuable and a desire for the child to actually receive that and want to hear it. The desire from the father to want to impart wisdom and direction for life and a desire for the, the child to want to receive it and listen and heed it. An ability to talk about anything without fear of rejection. This is an important one in our household, and my kids are all in this room, and they could tell you, we tell them, you could tell us anything. <laughs> and they pretty much do, you know? And that's sometimes a wild ride as a parent, right? But you can tell us anything. This is the way God is with us. You could tell us anything. You could tell me anything. Having ability for the child to feel protected and safe, right? And the father to to be protective. <laughs> this is the kind of relationship God wants with us. This is the way that we can approach Him in Village Church. We should. We should. That's what He wants. When you pray, are you praying like you're talking to the best Father you could ever imagine? Like, paint the best picture of the best Father that you have. And if you have a good father, paint a picture of a father that is more ideal even than that, right? Exponentially, infinitely so. You pray like you're talking to that kind of father. Jesus values prayer that approaches God relationally as father and friend. But there's one little caveat in these two parables, and we're going to end our time with this, that Jesus values prayer that approaches God boldly as father and friend. Like, this is not just a relationship like, yeah, Jesus is my dad, Jesus is my friend. There's a kind of boldness to this that's emphasized here by Jesus. And we know it looking at the two vignettes or parables that Jesus kind of frames here about what prayer is like. God loves the kind of prayer. God values the kind of persistence and boldness that a good friend has for a valued guest. Verse 5. He said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to a friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. Oh, thank God my children are not with me in bed. You know, the door is shut. They've never been with me in bed. they got their own beds. I love you guys, but you've got your own bed, right? I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And some of you are thinking, what does that word mean? It literally is a combination of boldness and shamelessness. It's a boldness and shamelessness. It's a shameless 
boldness. There's no shame. There's nothing to keep you back from being as bold as you could possibly be. It's the kind of persistence that's willing to do whatever it takes to meet the needs of a, of a guest or whatever it takes to provide the best you can for them. I know for our culture, this parable is a little hard to relate to because not many of us would show up at our friend's house at midnight. <laughs> many of us don't have a friend that's close enough to do that. I, I do. I happen to have a friend and fellow pastor who lives a couple doors down. And I know I could show up at midnight, knock on the door, take whatever I want. I mean, I, I do that anyway. It's what I do at this house. You can do that at my house too. I mean, I have friends like that where I, if it was at midnight, I could knock on the door and I, and, I could, and I could ask and they would give. Isn't that a great relationship to have? But most of us don't understand this because that's, this is not normal in our culture. But in this culture, hospitality was held in such a high regard. It was almost like a duty. A visitor could literally show up at any time and, and ask for anything and the village would, would need to provide it for them. And if not, like shame would come onto that village. So it's like you show up to Irvine, to a friend's house, and someone doesn't take care of you. Like you go to Tustin and you tell all your friends there, those people in Irvine are horrible. They're inhospitable. Like you show up at their house, they don't give you anything. Like that's what would happen in those days. Like the, the, the honor of their whole village was at stake in something like this. Think about my grandma used to tell me stories about back east in Jersey City where where my mom's family grew up, and this is the kind of culture that they described. Like someone would just knock on your door and come in, and you had to feed them and open a bottle of wine and make some homemade pasta and, and do whatever it had to do cause just because they showed up. It's something like that. I know it's just foreign to us, but there's a level of hospitality in that that we don't really understand. And I just want to tell us, this is the kind of hospitality I want for our church. We're going to get to that in a couple weeks talking about hospitality. If you're part of our Connect team, or if you're someone that just enjoys inviting people into the life of our church, can I just say thank you and just like keep that going. That is a very biblical, Christ-like thing to do. Impudence means persistence. Boldness, shameful boldness. Shameless boldness. You know what I mean. Hebrews 10 says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter his holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. It's this, this boldness that just comes because we know there's no shame. You can ask for anything. When you pray to God as father and friend, is this the way you pray? God, I love this kind of persistence that a son or daughter has with their, their father. This is where our time ends this morning. The kind of persistence is willing to ask for whatever is on their heart and mind, no matter how serious or how silly it may seem. Verse 9, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Listen, listen carefully here. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Ask him. <laughs> He's saying, whoever asks, receive. And whoever seeks, will find. And whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Let us say, Jesus says, when you pray, say this. When you pray, ask. 
and you will receive. When you pray, seek, you will find. When you pray, knock, and it will be opened to you. Years ago, I remember Matt Chandler standing up and teaching about prayer, and as he taught about prayer, he used this analogy of a kid, like, you know, grabbing at the jeans or whatever and just, just bothering their father. And, and as, as parents, sometimes they're like, hey, don't bother me. And you know what God says? God says, bother me. That's what Matt Chandler says. God's yelling, bother me. He's not yelling, don't bother me. <laughs> Bug me. Be persistent. Keep coming. Be bold. Ask me. Please bother me. <laughs> Are you willing to bother God with your prayers? I mean, this is the kind of prayer that God values, that, the kind of prayer that, that we feel like we might be bothering you. No, no, no. Ask me. Seek me. Knock. I want to say yes as, mo- as, as, as often as possible. You have not because you ask not. I will protect you from things where you ask and it's not your best, right? Unanswered prayers, you're going to ask for something, I'm not going to give it to you because James also says you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss to splend it on your pleasures. There are times we ask for things with wrong motivation or we don't see it all, and God is good to answer that with a wait or a no even. <laughs> ask him. When you pray, do you believe God really wants to say yes? I remember when I was on my sabbatical a few years ago, we had a little bit more time and I had a little bit more dispensable money than I usually have. And, and so the funnest thing about sabbatical for me was I got to say yes to my kids almost every time they asked me. Dad, can we go here? Yeah, we can. Dad, can I order this surf and turf meal? Yep, you can, you can order that. If you want. I mean, you know. Yes. I believe that's the heart of God. He wants to say yes as often. as you believe that when you come to him? Do you believe he has your best interest at heart that will protect you from things that are not good for you, but he'll give you all the things that are? As we end our time this morning, um, I just want to say maybe some of you are here and, and you're not yet a Christian and you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> you're talking about approaching God with a relationship and I don't know if that's even possible. What I want to tell you this morning quickly is that um, the Bible says, no, no, it is possible. Like that, that is the reality of, of life. That God created us in the beginning um, to have relationship with him. He, he created everything in the beginning and said that it was good. And our relationship with him was good. And our relationship with each other was good. And, and there was no conflict between us and him. But the Bible teaches that, that we weren't content with all the goodness that God has given us. Much like today we aren't. And, and we go out and we try to find ways out around what our good father has provided for us. Or the advice our good friend has given us. And... And so our, our first parents in the garden, they did what we have, would have done. They, they sinned against God. They rebelled against him as father, and they were disloyal to him as friend. And they disobeyed the one command that God had given them. And, and when they did, they sinned against him, and they, they fractured their relationship with God and with each other. But the Bible teaches that God wasn't content to leave us in that fractured relational place, but that God would come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And I think I've said it four times this morning, that the Lord's Prayer literally is the God of the universe— in human form, teaching human beings how to pray to the God of the universe. And this is the story of the Bible, that the God of the universe humbled himself, took on flesh, and came in the person of Jesus Christ. He lived a perfectly sinless life on my behalf and on yours, a life you and I could never live, a life in perfect obedience to God the Father, that he died the death we should have died, a a death that we deserved for rebelling against God 
in the most atrocious kind of ways, against a holy God in that kind of way. And that Jesus rose to give us a life we could never have otherwise. When we put our faith and hope and our trust in him, we're forgiven of our sin. And we're free now to live life in this relationship with God. We're reconciled to God. That on the cross, Jesus took all our guilt. He took all our shame. He took all the stuff that separates us from him. And he, he forgave us and he freed us. And now we can be back in relationship with him. Now we can have relationship with him as father. And we can relate to him as friend. And if you're not yet a Christian, we want to invite you to place your faith and your hope and trust in Jesus. Tell him that you believe he's the son of God who's come to save you from your sin. And we would love to tell you more because he is a good father. God is a good father and he is a faithful friend. We see this at the end of the Lord's prayer when Luke says, what father among you, if his, Jesus says, if, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to me, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you're not yet a Christian this morning and you ask to come into relationship with God through Jesus, he will give you his spirit to indwell you, to empower you, to enable, to enable you to, to live life in this new relationship with him. All you have to do is ask. If you're a Christian and you know you've kind of been in this kind of relationship with God and it's your own doing, it's not his, right? He's never moved, he's the same. It's, it's you and you know it. I, I know it when it's me. And just confess this morning those things and ask him to forgive you and fill you with his spirit again. And guess what Jesus says? <laughs> How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Just ask him this morning. Would you just ask all you have to do is ask. I think that's the good news this morning is that Jesus has reconciled our relationship to God so that we can come to him through prayer as father and as friend. And I hope that's good news for you this morning. Hey, can I ask you to um, just kind of close your Bible or your journal or whatever you've got and to um, just kind of wrap up your stuff to get it in order. And I'm going to do something this morning that, um, that we don't normally do. I'm going to give you a moment to sort of pray through the Lord's Prayer and use it as a pattern this morning so that if you want to take that 30-day challenge, you can do that tomorrow. And maybe there's a good example of, of how to do that. And I also thought, you know, if we spent the whole morning talking about and teaching on prayer and we never prayed, would that feel weird? That would feel really strange. I just don't think it would be right. Would you bow your head? Would you bow your heart with me? Would you let me lead you through a little directed prayer? through the Lord's Prayer. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. Father, hallowed be your name. Could I just encourage you to begin with the right perspective here this morning? Would you acknowledge God as your Father? Would you take a moment to express to him how you believe he's a good father? Hallowed be your name. Would you begin with praise this morning? Would you praise him for who he is? 
master, creator, holy, good, perfect, long-suffering, the list goes on. Would you begin by giving him some praise this morning? kingdom come. Would you pray recognizing his power this morning? Would you bring to him that one thing that you know you need his power, his authority for? There's something in your life that you're like, I need the power of God in this thing. Would you bring it to him right now? Would you tell him? kingdom come would you focus on his purposes would you think about something in your life that maybe you're holding on to a little bit too much for yourself and would you give that thing over to him would you ask him for his will to be done in that for his purposes to be accomplished in it Give us each day our daily bread. Would you ask for his provision? I know you need it. And I know you desire it, and so does he. Would you just ask him? Maybe there's provision that you need for a specific thing. I know what it is for me. What is it for you? Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Would you ask for his pardon this morning? There's an unconfessed sin that you have. Would you confess it to him now? And lead us not into temptation. Would you ask for his protection? might be from, your, from yourself. You know you're headed somewhere. It might be the world. You feel the pressure. It might be the devil. You just feel attacked in a maybe a spiritual kind of way. Would you ask for his protection this morning? 